I'm Dora Reiser, and I have written a book, Dora's Story. It's an extraordinary story. It's resilience, I think. I mean, the two things that strike me is that you're always at the eye of a storm of some sort, you're, and you're incredibly resilient and very honest. The resilience comes, you know, from the upbringing where, you know, I'm Jewish, and I was in Bulgaria, and it's actually all in the book. I come from a very wealthy family, and uh, practically overnight, then we found ourselves, everything taken away, including my father was taken away by the Gestapos, because in Bulgaria, the Bulgarian Jews didn't suffer that much, but they suffered, of course, because they were not allowed to have a bank account, not a property, not a house, not a job, not nothing, nothing. But at least they were not sent in the train to Auschwitz. But because of the king and because of Kirif, who is the head of the church, of the Russian church, he made it quite clear that if the train goes, he will put himself in front of the train and the train will not go. But the Jews didn't know what will happen to them. <laughs> you know, I was four or five years old, mm. and you know, I could feel the tension in the house, of course, because mm. my father was German and he was not Bulgarian, so automatically we were German Jews. And my father had very good connection with the ambassador before Hitler. So he got all the documents and he's actually a German Christian. So he wasn't afraid, but he was helping all the family, all the Jewish families and all the people. And they all used to come to the house because the only radio they had to listen what was happening was at our house. And that's the first time when I saw actually the stars on the coats. And I said, no, oh, they look very pretty, Mama. Uh, why can't I have any? A yellow star. Mama very seriously just said, your father doesn't like it. From then onwards, I didn't like it either. Mm. So my father, then the bombardment started and all this, and my father took us in the car with the chauffeur, of course, because neither my mother drove and she had a car, neither my father drove, but we had two chauffeurs, <coughs> and they brought us to the villa outside, Sofia. And my father said to Mama and to us, says, be good, and I will be back the next day. And um, we sat in the villa, and we waited, and we waited, and we waited. But this is actually all in the yes, book. Yes, yes, this is not a war memoir. The war is just the very first part of it. But It's it, not a war memoir. No. What it is, it's a, it's, it's a thing of survival, ambition. Mm, yeah. It's a thing mm. of... If you want to do something, all what you need is discipline, uh, ambition, and hard work. That's all what you need. Yeah. And never to accept the word, it's impossible. This, this, this impossible is not, never has been my vocabulary. And, and also, I ended up like that because I knew that my father was in cassette and then he survived wonder because the only in this place where my father was, they actually worked them to death. So they expected them to die in 30 days, and my father survived 90 days, and he came back as a skeleton. But we are a family which is it's a driving family. Mm. My father never spoke about his background. I never knew anything about his background. We didn't speak about Auschwitz or... or no, it was just life. My father wanted life. And my mother was the best mother in the world because she loved, she gave us all the love. We survived, we survived. That's all what I can say, we survived. 
Yeah, but each thing that you survived, and you survived a fair few things, I think must have made you even more determined every time. And sometimes it's determination to succeed, as in the dance and all the rest of it, and sometimes it is just getting on to the next stage, isn't it? I always wanted to dance. That was my great ambition. And, of course, you know, in my family, dancing was not even coming into question. But uh, I persuaded my father, who was really... I mean, he, he incredible man. And he said to my mother, OK, take her to the opera. The opera didn't exist, but it was somewhere in the cellar, and see if they will accept her. So... All these lovely girls arrived, these children arrived in pink tutus and everything and proper, and I arrived with little nothingness black. And um, my mother put my hair back just to make me a little more ballerina, and we were standing on the bar, and they said, plié, I didn't know what they were talking about. They said this and that, all in French. I had no idea. So after this thing, I was told that I'm really too old, and it's absolutely no point. And, but I wanted to dance. Well, I think that's the point, isn't it? And so many other people would have stopped at that point and said, all right, I've I been told... I've never stopped yeah, about no, anything. No, no. Never stopped about anything. Mm. I wanted to... So, pure fluke, I was in boarding school. I was very unhappy there because I missed my mother dreadfully. And the directress, she just out of... To calm me down, she says, now what do you want to be? And I said, I want a ballerina. So she says, don't you think we should start? And she was very kind. She brought me to dance to school. And I was really bad. I mean, it was a private school, and she paid for it. But I knew the one thing in ballet. And I found this out when I was 10, 11. I was in the last row, and I thought, slowly, 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 I will be in the first row. <laughs> because in ballet... You have to work. I was never jealous of anybody. I have, I, jealousy is not in my vocabulary. Because if you work and if you are determined, you get it. And I knew I have to work. I work and I was, and the first row was Susie and Anne-Marie. And I thought, I have to push them off the first row, <laughs> so, which I did. And I was the youngest ballet dancer it's a younger solo dancer in Vienna Opera. Yes, I mean, we should make it clear you've moved to Vienna by now, and you, 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 you paint... Oh, and I just want to stop and say you paint incredible pictures of the cities and the places you've lived. That's I really like the detail. I love even saying that thing about if Harry Lyme was real, my dad would have known him. There's so many things that you, you say. There are some places I have been and I really recognise, and others that I can see the picture because you do it so well. I think that's one of the best things about your writing, is that spirit of place. Yeah, I'm very visual. I have, uh, I, I, I'm a dyslexic, uh, seriously dyslexic, but I have a photographic memory. So tell me about, you had this big break, didn't you, when you were spotted as a, as a dancer? Yes, Hindemith. I was in, in Corps de Ballet, and uh, we were training. The training starts at 8 o'clock in the morning. And they came in, they opened the door, and they absolutely looked at everybody. And after the training was finished, I was called to the choreographer, to the directress, and they said, you were chosen to be in the solo, in the new things. That's how I got, got my break, through Hindemith. I didn't know it was Hindemith. He wore a hat. I had no idea that it was Hindemith. But it was a big success. I mean, the audience 
uploaded to the end. And uh, Hindemith came afterwards in my dressing room and says, I want to congratulate you, you were wonderful. Mm. Now I was a, a girl oh, of, of course, 18. Yeah. And, and a rising and star. Quite, mm. yes, mm. yes, and, mm. and I was, and what I was. was. So just tell me, remind me the name of the ballet, the Hindemith ballet, so because there's- Noise from Target. Yeah, because people want to know that. Right? Yeah, Noise from Target. Mm. And what does that translate as? News of the day. This is going to link to something later. You, we want to talk about style. I suppose we should come back to it, but you've always been the, the style arbiter in your family. You even really told your mother what to wear, didn't you? Uh, y yes. I mean, my, my, mother, my mother had great style. She had great elegance. She had really great elegance, and I think I got it from her, really. Mm. I knew the colours I like, and she knew the colours I like. And she just was extremely elegant. She wore always big hats with veils coming down. And I always loved look, seeing her because she was just, she knew how to wear clothes. Mm. I think my father was very conscious of, of clothes, very conscious. Shoes, I've got it from him. He was always dressed to perfection, mm. always. In the morning, he would wear a morning jacket with velvet green and with truckles. And when he walked out, the silk scarf around him was, I mean, he was just, Wonderful. I mean, he was the best-dressed man I have known. The best-dressed man. So, so, obviously so it's in the family. Well, I think before we leave the, the actual material covered by the book, and we do need to, to cover what's happened since the end of the book in your life, because it does end with this awful catastrophe, which you've turned around. Can we just talk about Israel for a moment? I always wanted to go to Israel, especially I belong to Godonia Machabia Chatzayir, to the club. And that is the first time that I heard what Auschwitz, Buchenwald, Theresienstadt, and all these places meant. I didn't know anything because nobody talked about it. We just, we just don't talk about such things. After knowing, we were stay the ten and eight years old and twelve year old. Rothschild gave us his palace in Vienna, and of course everything was broken inside the mirrors. Everything was broken. But he gave it to the children from, from the Jewish, you, you know, with the food and everything. And, and, and then in the morning we got up and we sang the Hatikva, yeah. and which was, and you looked at all the children and they all had the tears. Yes, we're talking about, we're still talking about the, the Jewish youth group, the, the sort of yeah. Zionist youth groups, aren't they? Yeah. Mm. And we were trained to go to kibbutz. Yeah. And we should just point out to anybody non-Jewish listening, Hatikva is the national anthem of Israel, and the name means the hope. Yeah. And uh, Koti, who was um, our, he said, he said, what happened to the Jews will never happen again. We are no sheep to go to the slaughter. It will never happen again. That's why we have our country. So I always wanted to go. And when I arrived in Israel... When was this? Remind everybody what year, first time you went. I don't know. I was 19. I was 19. When I arrived, it, you know, the airport was a hut, a tin mm -hmm. hut. Mm -hmm. And somebody came, because there was no buses, somebody came to help me with the, my suitcase. And I said, no, no, no. I was thinking, you're a Jew. But then I remember that I had Everyone a bad is. back, mm. so I let him carry it. But the smell of the whole thing, the smell, mm. 
Anyway, my aunt picked me up, mm. and uh, you know there were no roads. I mean, mm. the cars were going tack 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 tack, and Tel Aviv was that small. I mean, mm. the old Tel Aviv, and um, my uncle, he was a plumbing engineer. But of course, he did fantastically in Israel. Of course, they needed an awful lot of plumbing. <laughs> yes, they needed everything. Jews liked so to have got, good plumbing. Yeah, mm. so he ended up actually in the end quite wealthy. Wealthy for Israel. Yes, but yeah, well des- off. Well deserved. He had a car, so. mm. he had a beautiful apartment mm. next to the concert house mm. in the best area, a big apartment. So, you know, he was well off. That's what we call well off mm. at, at that time. So you've had a relationship with Israel all along, haven't you, since then? I still have it. Mm. That's what I mean. It's very close, isn't it? Yeah, very close. How often do you go? I have a penthouse there Mm. in the centre of of Tel Aviv. Mm. Um, Four times a year I go. Mm. I mean, I'm going... I'm I'm always going, staying Mm. for two months and coming back Mm. for one. I feel I'm at last at home. I've been wondering with suitcases. I'm at last at home. Not only that, I sometimes feel anti-Semitism, even in this country. Well, I think we all are at the moment, aren't we? In my way of thinking, my way of thinking, Israel is our country. We are Jews, and this is our country. They cannot throw us out. And I have to tell you a story. I arrived in Israel, and I have made Aliyah. I'm an Israeli citizen. I arrived in Israel with three suitcases, big, 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 big. You're gesturing, and they are very big, big trunks. Yeah. I unpacked, took the suitcases, and put them on the street. Oh. Open, otherwise, you know, if you close them, the Mm. sink is a bomb. Mm. Because I'm not packing and running anymore. I'm staying, whatever they say. This is my country. I'm not running. This is my country. And actually, when you see what they have achieved, it's unbelievable. It certainly is. It is unbelievable. They made the de- desert fruitful. The Negev is green. I know, I know. My, my daughter was on Kibbutz Lutan for some time. So. I mean, it's, it's, it's incredible. I have such great respect from them. Yes, we are a different country. We are a difficult country because one came from Iraq, one came from Iran, one came from Morocco, one came from Czechoslovakia, one came from Canada. We are a big mixture. We are a big, big mixture. But we are all Jews. And it's, 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 it's a country. You can talk to them, you can ask them. And when you say you know, to them, Israel, and every, Israel, every Israeli will tell you, Israel is beautiful. Oh, it is. It certainly is. I think we'd better come back to Europe because we have to really cover, so that I can get on to your many different careers, this catastrophe that happened to you that would have a lesser woman would have given up because you had this terrible accident. The accident mm. happened on the stage. Yeah. I, should, I, I was high up on, on a thing yeah, and I should cases. have turned around. Yeah. I mean, you can imagine. <laughs> My career just started. I, I should mm. have gone to Stuttgart. And not only that, but I had my big love with um, Brazda, mm. who is one of the most, I mean, you can find him in, in Google and everything. Mm. But the Russians took, took Brazda away. Mm. That is in the book. Yes. They kidnapped him. He never got married. 
So that was a big shock too. On I don't know how you keep bouncing back, really. I don't. Well, I do. I mean, because you've explained, but you're an incredible survivor. But it's not just that; it's that you go on and make something of it. I believe, if you do something, my mother says, if you clean the streets, you must clean it best. Mm. It doesn't matter what you do. So I believe that. So after all these things happening to me, and it was really, I, I thought my world collapsed. But I got up and I got on, mm. and I says, "Come on, stop it, get on." So they said, acting, okay, Reinhardt Seminar or Royal Academy of Dramatic Art. Mm. I had enough of Vienna. I didn't like Vienna. I quite honestly disliked mm. the anti-Semitism in Vienna. I had enough of it, enough of it. And I said to Mama, Mama, Royal Academy of Dramatic Art. But of course, I didn't speak English. <laughs> and anybody so, else would not have even dared to say that, would yes, they? I mean, but you did. Ferdi Main was somehow, because he's German, so somehow through my, my father's friends, mm. he came to pick me up and I said, you know, I want to go to, and, and I didn't, we didn't have money. I mean, I didn't have money. Yeah, that's another theme of the book. There's a lot of times when there's no money. No, there's mm. no money. Mm. There's no money. But, you know, you get on with it. Mm. And uh, my father always used to say, nobody can look in your stomach. Mm. And uh, he said to me, I mean, you know, first you have to go, to learn English, and which will take you a year. I said, a year? One month. And he said, it's impossible, Doro. I said, you know, I haven't got the time and I haven't got the money. It has to be one month. Find me a teacher, which he did. And he brought me into a hotel room, which was another little room. Dreadful. I hate little rooms. And, um, I went every day to this teacher, and he, he also was German. And they came before the war, and they were all working for, you know, for the Secret Service and all this. And he was, he saw my determination. He lived in Hampstead, and I was in South Kensington in crappy hotel. And every day I took the underground, and I went to him to, to train me, to, you know, to choose my speeches, and he did, he did. Anyway, I passed. You got in. I got in, mm. I got in. And you, you had particularly a film career, didn't you? Yeah, I mean, yes, I did everything. After Radha, I did everything. I had the top agent. After Robin Fox, Gene Diamond took me on. And I did everything. I, I did Play of the Week, I did TV series, I did three mm. TV series, I did uh, Espion Adventure, I did everything, everything, everything. <laughs> You've got this incredibly beautiful accent. So would you say you were mostly, you know, cast? Mostly yeah. cast. Mm. I did every foreign part because <laughs> there were no foreigns. I did Italians and I did Russians very well. Mm -hmm. Then I played French because I did speak French. And I, every foreign, mm. German. I, you know, I just, and I got fed up really with it. So you're doing all that and you're incredibly glamorous. I think some of these photographs, are these presumably you, these oh, photos. No, no, don't stop. Many. You are very, very. You're incredibly beautiful now, and you always have been, as far as I can see. Whatever you say, thank um, you. And, and you know, you're very elegant and slim, and we know you've always had the sense of style. And suddenly, you're reinventing yourself as a, a really quite top-notch designer. And you know, you've got your own fashion house named after you. Yes, I mean, I have to tell you that this is not in the book. No, I know. I realize this that, is not because Julian mm. Julian Fellows mm. said to me, Dora. 
This is your next book. I was going to say, when's the sequel coming out? Julian Fellow said to me, this is your next book. You you know, did I tell you this this story how this book happened? No. Now this I tell Mm. you. This was 30 years ago. I always believed my son has to go to the best schools. And I put them down in Westminster. Now what happened is he failed the exam in Westminster. So I couldn't put him anywhere except at Highgate, border. It's a nice school, Highgate. Border. Mm. I was never separated from my two sons. Mm. And I suffered. I suffered so much. But, you know, it's madness. Because he went Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. He was Friday evening he came home. The weekly border. And then he Mm. was Saturday, Mm. Sunday, he went back. I was desperate. I phoned the boarding school. Has he eaten? Is he all right? What is he doing now? Oh. Then the, the housemaster said, you know what? Will you just come every Wednesday at 6 o'clock oh. and stand by the front, by the outside, that's by the gate, and I send him out, and you can ask him all these questions. Oh, that's such a lovely story. And I did it. I did it for three mm. months. I was every Wednesday, 6 o'clock, I was outside because with, with my background, I want my family close, mm. close, mm. close, close. So I, my younger son, Emil, said, Mama, why don't you write? I don't know why he told me this. Mm. Why don't you write about your background? Mm. And I said, why, why should I write this? Mama, do it. Just do it. And every day when he came, he went to City of London. Every day when he came, he says, I told you ten pages. I oh, really? Yeah. That's an astonishing story. Yes, it's oh. true. So what's your older son called? Ruben. Ruben. So what, what, how did Ruben feel about this? Was he happy to come and meet you clandestinely No, at the no, gate, in the or? beginning it was right, but mm. then I really he got quite fed up with it. Mm, that's what I wondered. Yeah. And, and he was saying, Mama, do you have... So the meetings got shorter and shorter, Aww. which I really realised after mm. Christmas, mm. I, have to, I have to stop this. Yeah. But he was head of house because he said there's nobody like him. Because the master told me that one evening he decided it to take the whole house, or not the whole house, whatever it was, I don't know how many, and take them to the town to eat. Wow. So the, the, he said to me, if he can organize that to take them by the window out, to go to oh, eat. I see, he did, wasn't supposed to. No, it oh. was at night. God. He says, if he can organize them, <gasps> he will organize them to be. So he. he you he, know, that's he's such like, an amazing teacher. Think about that. Amazing teacher. teacher. Amazing. Instead of punishing him, he didn't. He, it's like the opposite. I mean, yeah. that's a wonderful story. Yeah, wonderful. Your son was pretty amazing to show, you know, all that lead, those leadership qualities. Uh, he, but he, he, they said, he said, it's the best he ever had. He controls the whole the whole place. Yeah, the, you know, I think you should start trying to get this sort of thing dramatized. I can, I can see this incredible scene with these boys all coming down this rope yeah, or whatever, yeah, yeah. out the window, and he's counting them out. It's it's incredible. You can be very proud, but yeah, also rather proud. grateful to that master. I'm I'm very mm. proud. I'm very proud. The master was wonderful, mm. because I mean to have me coming every Wednesday. Mm. Yes, but that was so nice of him to say that. He could have just. You said, for you know, goodness sake, woman. Yeah, you know, wait till Friday evening. Yeah, anybody else would have done that. Yeah, I'm anybody just, else. I'm sure I've taken enough of your time up, but I'd just like you to explain how 
the fashion house happened and a little bit about its huge success and, and what you've done since. The fashion house happened because I, I really realised as an actress, you always wait for a job. You're always relying on a producer, on a producer. I should have done Where Eagle Fly because the director wanted me, but the producer got his girlfriend in it. Mm. And I thought to myself, why am I... I mean, I'm not my own person. I have too much brain. I have to do something to have some income which I can control mm. and I don't mm. wait for casting directors. Mm. So that's how I started. I had absolutely no money. I had absolutely no knowledge. I just had a good taste. And uh, I started and I did it. Were you actually designing with other people who knew how to no. design? How did it work? First of all, I got a tiny little sewing machine. And because everything I had, what I was wearing, everybody wanted it. So I thought, I'm going to get somebody who can sew these little things in my back room there. And that's how I started. And I didn't have the money for the sewing machine. So this stupid little girl gave me the sewing machine and I gave her two cooking books. Okay. But then she decided, she said, let's go into business together. So I will bring you the women and you do the designing for them. And then I really realized that I'm really her slave. She never came to clean the room. She never came to fit anything. She was just standing there, you know, and I mean, just not doing anything. And I was doing everything. So I said, you know, this doesn't work. So she wanted to have her sewing machine. So I didn't need the cooking books. And then I found a girl, Pauline, who just came finished school. Right. So she came to work for me. Well, from one of the from one of the um, yeah. art schools, from yeah. Martins, you say. Yeah, but she knew mm. everything about. I mean, I was the boss, but yeah. she knew more than yeah. I knew. But I couldn't tell her no, that no. she knew more than I do when I'm the boss. But she'd studied fashion and cutting and all that, had she? I went and learned it in the East End in an <laughs> Indian factory. Okay. Yes, I mean, obviously, obviously. Why did I even think anything different? Yeah. yeah. This is a very good book. This is going to be. It's a very good book. Mm. That's how well, I. Well, you haven't it. written yet. Anything. It's going to be a fantastic book. But I have a lot of stories in my mm. designing. A lot of. Stories. But I learned it. I learned it. Yeah, I th I think but you know the funny thing. Mm. I have to tell you something. We really had no money, so I bought some cloth, wool chalet. It was four pounds fifty or something or five, and we had no money. Mm. And I said to Pauline, Pauline, we have to put everything straight. So you have to buy a little book, and if you buy thread, you have to put down mm. thread six p. Yeah, fine, six p. Then we know what we are spending. I, I did the design, mm. what I wanted, and she cut it. Yeah, and I she fitted it all on me. Of course, I was a model too. I can imagine. And the neckline was. I said, gosh, Pauline, £4.70 we just wasted. This is all wrong. <laughs> and she stood there. I will never forget this. She stood there. I said, With her arms folded, which you've just done. Yeah. Yes. Mm. And look at it. And I was in tears. And she, I said, Pauline, I can't believe it. And then she started making, let me just try, Dora. Let me just try, Dora. Mm little tucks here, just to make the neckline sit, and little tucks here, little... The biggest success. Really? I sold thousands of them. Right. So, mail order. But I have to tell you, I really had no money. Mm. But I had to pay her. Of course. I had to pay her mm. 10 pounds a week, oh. you know, and I had no money. So I said, David, where am I going to get 
the money because when you're an actress, you spend it. You know, mm. I mean, anyway, what you know, you do a TV, you get two hundred pounds. Mm. It was not like they do it now. No. And there's no repeats, nothing. I still have the Dirty Dozen. I don't get any repeats on I mean, anything. Yes, that's one of your most famous films, isn't it? Yeah, mm. I don't get mm. repeats. If I would get repeats, I could retire. Yeah, absolutely. They show it wouldn't... everywhere. Oh, you wouldn't retire anyway. Come no, but on. but uh, what I mean is, I could have retired. <laughs> yes, but you wouldn't have. So. I said, I have to, he says, Dora, you speak a few languages. Why don't you go on the buses and do the tour guiding? And I said, tour guiding? I don't know anything history <laughs> about London. I mean, where am I guide? She says, listen, we, I bring you to Tilbury, and I write you down where the bus should go and what to do, and you look at it, and you tell them the way, and then you tell them, you know, from from the written thing. So who told you this? David, my yes. David. Your husband. So I arrived in Tilbury. Is your partner or your husband? Sorry. Oh, oh. we are partners for husband. Part what does yeah. it matter? Well, we are well, together for 55 happened. years. Oh, wow. Well, all right, your partner. Yeah. I never have given up my name because no. I kept it all the time for acting and mm. for... It's a very acting. nice name. Yeah, I kept it all the... Yeah, and it's he, my father's name. Yeah, but he's also an actor. We should just say that David's an actor as well. Yeah, yeah, David mm. is a wonderful... David yeah. is the best actor ever. that's very important. He's done some wonderful roles too. Oh, wonderful, wonderful. And David was the most beautiful man I have met. Of I course. Mean, <laughs> and, and he still is. I yes. mean, I think he's wonderful. So I arrived in Tilbury and there were five buses. They are picking up the tourists from the mm. boats. And the, the bus driver chose their tour guides. Mm. I was left behind. So the, he looked at me and he says, oh, okay, come along. So I just went in and I did everything, what? And then we came to St. Paul's Cathedral. But David didn't give me St. Paul's Cathedral. <laughs> okay. I have no nothing about St. Mm. Paul's Cathedral. So, and I said to the driver, oh, it's a Sunday, so we don't. He says, and the driver says, but of course we can stop in, in mm. St. Paul's. So I said, what am I going to do? So I said, you know, we have to respect every religion. Mm. I'm Jewish, this is a Christian church, so please, no questions and keep quiet. <laughs> of course, well, it makes sense. Mm. You got away with it. So did you actually do that as well? Yeah. How long so, did you do that for? Not very long, but I went in and, you know, the group with people, they were talking. I've been there, you're sorry. Yeah, yeah, everybody. So when we went back into the bus, I said, thank you for your consideration. <laughs> and they said to me, but everybody talked. <laughs> everybody, yes, but you were the best anyway. Mm -hmm. When I came, I did the whole thing. And when I ended up at the Tilbury back, I said, and now you can drink champagne. I have a great time and enjoy you. That <laughs> I went out. I didn't know. I didn't know the rhythm, what was happening. Mm. And I gave them my hand to help them, you know, like a servant mm. with a good bath. And they gave me all money. Tips, yes, tips. I knew you were going to say that. Yeah, but I didn't know where to put it. <laughs> so I was surrounded <laughs> on the floor with, I mean, you know, I didn't have mm. pockets or anything. No. I didn't know. I can't wait for this book. So the next time mm -hmm. when I came, you know who was first chosen? Me. Of course. <laughs> because I got the biggest tips. Mm. Anyway. So I, get, so I got some money to pay Pauline. Mm. So Rice had outlets into Harrods and places like that? Harrods, Selfridges, 
I couldn't have Harvey Nicks because it was Paris. Yeah. I was Bergt of Goodman. I had my whole mm. area in Bergt right, of Goodman. Exactly. We're talking New York here. New York, mm. Saks, Bloomingdale's. Yeah. I had my own collection for Dax Simpson. I designed for them. I made them in the first seasons. I, the turnover on my collection went, on my design, went 70% up. And when we have the next meeting, I was the only girl on this boardroom. <laughs> and then I did Austin Reed. They took all my colors and everything from me. And then I did also Liberty Riser collection for the Far East. So what made you stop doing that? I was drained. I mean, I really worked day and night. Yeah. After five years, my very dear friend, Andrew Baxter, he came in and he says, if you don't go on holidays, mm. you're going to collapse. If you would love to show me, I'd love to see around if you like, okay. you're kind of, I really appreciate that. Incidentally, I mean, people can't see you, but uh, you've told the whole story with your body as well. As oh, you've yes, told, I talk with my hands. Yeah, not just your hands, it's, it's arms, your body. You've been so expressive. I can imagine you are on the stage. I can imagine you dancing. It's extraordinary okay. to watch you. And now we're walking. This building is an extraordinary building, isn't it? This was a Grosvenor station. Mm. Everybody who came here got out here where the bathroom is. They got out. There was a platform <laughs> it's there. Amazing. Yes, it is amazing. There was no <laughs> stairs. There was nothing here. Mm. And how did you come by it? David's father mm. uh, puts the lights on, and you can see better. Wow, is that a painting of you? Yeah. With, with, you've got a, one of those wonderful off-the-shoulder dresses just over one shoulder. Yeah. Yeah. So we're in this, the ceilings are so high. I mean, uh. extraordinary and beautiful drapes. Also, the windows, it's almost like being in, it looks a bit like a sort of religious building, doesn't it? Because you've got these... No windows. No. These are wonderful posters. They, they come from also from the theatre. Mm. This, well, this is from uh, um, Chagall. Amazing. It's a cockerel, but he's got a whole village growing out of his back with, with ladders, and there's a woman's face on his front. So, yes, it's a very it's typical... All, it's all the yeah, Russians. Very, it's very it's typical all, whimsical yeah. Chagall, and all in blue and pink and white. So it's, it's quite a lot of work for the Jewish flavour. That's your father. He's very good-looking, isn't he? He was perfect. And this is my, one of my designs. Is it? That's yes. beautiful. And I just want to look at the fashion picture because it's a sort of slightly gypsy type outfit in, in dark reds and maroon. Oh, it's gorgeous. A wonderful flared yeah, skirt. But you see, this whole wall was all, mm. everything from Harper's and, mm. you know, because this was my showroom here. Yes, really. Mm -hmm. I'm devastated that you haven't kept some of the dresses, yeah, really. I how could you let them go? <laughs> Such a shame. Oh, here is... Oh, this is fabulous. This is pictures of the club. Well, at least you've got the this pictures. This the award. This was... Yes. I mean, so stupid I gave it away. How can we... Could oh, agree. could and you give it away? This one I gave away. I mean, are you out stupid. of your mind? I gave everything These away. clothes are just stunning. I mean, yeah. this is... It's a sort of cape dress, is it? Oh, this it, brown it, it cape dress incredible. with pink. It was really incredible. Yeah, I... I mean, I would like to have seen you in it. You were good. You were good. My word, you were good. <laughs> so I want to thank you so much for your time and all the Absolute beautiful pleasure. insights. Absolute and pleasure. as I say, I just wish this was video so that everybody could have seen you moving because it's so beautiful to watch. <laughs> thank you. Thank you very much. Thank, thank you. Pleasure.